everyone, Espear here, and welcome back to the Super Combo Podcast. As usual, I'm joined by our co-host, Chris of Uniex. Chris, how are you doing today? I am uh, doing pretty well. Ready to get into this podcast on the multitask, multitask, doing thumbnails, getting all this stuff done, because the content creation does not stop, especially when you're on the grind. Yeah, it does not stop. And even in the holiday season, Bandai did not make it easy for us. Uh, spoilers all across the Christmas break, which is kind of nice. You know, during the downtime, we get to speculate, we get to deck build, we get to make, see what works for us. Um, but that's actually going to be one of our topics today. Set 16, uh, spoilers, a lot of it is red. Um, there's a smattering of colors, actually, but for the most part, it's red. And we're looking at three key aspects of spoilers. The first one being uh, Vegeta BR Ramp, which is kind of a... Uh, Different spin on the Gogeta ramp stuff. Uh, Red Universe 7 has finally got most of its spoilers out of the way, I believe. And then we got the Grand Priest archetype, which is really cool. It's a multicolor archetype. Very interesting stuff there. Uh, as far as the rest of it, we have uh, Dragon Ball Battle Hour was announced. Nothing too crazy in terms of like what we're going to see, what we're to expect. But there's a couple of announcements there, so might as well touch on it. And then, of course, we will wrap up with, with Think on Charge. But Chris, just overall, you know, we've had the first week and a little bit of spoilers so far. And has uh, the set exciting you? Does it uh, does it look like it's going to be a repeat of set 15? Or are we looking to some good stuff here? Uh, I definitely don't think it's going to be a reset of uh, set 16. I think uh, that would be devastating. Or 15, sorry. That'd be devastating. Because uh, I don't think it's any secret right now. <laughs> Woo! That, uh, that's that that set there was a whole lot of duds in that set but luckily i think we're in a good place uh just looking at what's coming out for you know things just to be a little different i am very 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 excited to see some of these things just off the rip um red is at least looking to be fun if not destructively competitive uh and i know people might get on my case about that but um there's a whole video. Actually, I, I made a whole entire video. There are decks that are better because they are good card deck, like all of yellow right now. And there are decks that are good because they are so focused when it comes to what their archetype does. Uh, I think uh, you said in a red in this set is kind of in the middle. It's it's and by the middle is there's a fair amount of good cards that you can play in that deck, but for the most part, there's a lot of archetype stuff that's restricted and you got to play more than 50 cards because the deck is bursting its literal cheeks off. And I'm not going to lie. There are not 55 to 60 good U seven cards. Like there are going <laughs> to be some duds in that deck. And uh, it's kind of loud. You run good red cards like crown. Well, you know, your first two turns, if you don't burst a total of six U sevens, you might be in trouble of getting off your early game plays. So, I mean, it's things like that, but when it comes to uh, the grand priest deck, uh definitely got a video in the works for you guys i think it's kind of meme but at the same time it is fun if uh if secret identity mass sand didn't exist this deck would be so much more fun but that is what it is secret identity mass sand no i was just saying true <laughs> like, oh yeah yeah just, like, just the fact just that like, people have pivoted to that now that they felt like bardock hasn't been as good which is like fair like with all the floodgates going around um yeah that shreks that deck especially since every angel is like a two cost or whatever yeah, you're just like, yo, I have you in like two turns, and then you'll j- oh, remove three of my... All right, got you. See, heard. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's rough. So, basically, you got stuff like that, and that's that's not like super, super problem, but I mean, Grand Priest definitely looks like it's going to be a fun deck. Same with uh, U7. Um, 
Black, I'm still, I still have my eyes on Black. I'm waiting for it. But I think this set shows a lot of promise. And when we looked at the secret rare that we just got, if you just kind of look at the card quality, this seems a step above what we just got last set. Um, so I am excited to see what the rest of the spoilers are. But uh, as per usual, we will have to have some of the previous format trimmed if this set's going to make an impact. It was just that last set, like, ain't no way. Like, even with trimming of the previous format, that the set still just kind of came and fell flat. So, sheesh, I'm looking forward to it. It should be good. Yeah, and that, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, I'm actually looking forward to it. Like, last set, we looked forward at certain cards. Here, like, I'm like, okay, Universe 7. Like, I'm down to play this deck. Or even the Grand Priest deck, which I will say, just because probably some of the better angels were from the draft box, um, that feels like it might actually end up being an expensive casual deck. And it's unfortunate because I don't know how competitive it is. It seems a little bit clunky, but, it, like, it plays. But a lot of the good, like, destruction rares or not i think they're called destruction rares the one with like the angels and uh, the god's instructions like those yeah. are all draft box cards and like those were already sitting at like 10 ish bucks a piece before the reveals and i imagine they're only going to go from now i've been seeing a bunch of people move them so um it's going to be it's a shame that what is probably aimed to be a bit more of a casual like fun like hey here's a five color deck kind of thing uh, might end up being more expensive than some of the more competitive decks but eh, you know that's just the way it turns out sometimes i guess this is fair. Um, it's kind of weird. Like, I don't want to spoil too much of the video, but um, they're definitely kind of like, yes, you can. They're definitely trying to make sure that you can dive into the draft box, but they're kind of making it self-contained because a lot of these things, mm -hmm. like, when you start looking at the deck itself, you have the ability to untap a fair amount. Uh, I mean, I feel like some decks, like just like how I used to say Gohan was like, I don't know, like a gun and his vanillas were bullets. In this deck, you essentially have like Whis as a bullet for untapping. And so there's going to be a couple turns where between the unison and having Whis in hand to combo with, you're going to be able to just untap two, make your entire play and then untap two. And I think that's actually really hot, but um, it, it's, it's definitely weird. There's going to be a lot of different ways to play it. And anytime you have a deck that can run that many colors, you can start running all of the auxiliary like staples like sensu bean and stuff like that and he's also a red leader so he's access to things like violent rays so there's gonna be some defensive room for this deck to go into it's just a matter for me at least of seeing how many times you can keep your guys on board because in a in a perfect world keeping your angels on board you just got to get your opponent down to four life once you get them down to four life or they could take themselves down to four life anytime you play a offering angel for one red they're just gonna let you draw two <laughs> like they're not going down to three life just for you to i don't know do it again so they're gonna just let you draw so you have the draw power there um and then the moment you hit turn five you you're probably gonna get burned for two damage and then mm -hmm. if you can't kill them again and you can't nullify their board they're probably just gonna burn you again for two damage so the deck definitely has some like legs it's just a matter of keeping those two drops that's a very precarious number in this game it's very easy to get paper clipped <laughs> when your board is full of two drops yeah like every counterplay hits them every like board removal hits them it's just a very tough color to be in and just just to give you guys like some context um for our listeners out there who haven't seen the spoilers uh we'll just jump right into the great priest since that's kind of what the one we've dived into first um he has a permanent where you can't include non-god battle cards in your deck but it does negate their energy exhaust skills um in all areas that's kind of nice activate main switch this card to rest one you draw one card so it's 
kind of weird. We've seen activate main draw one card, but the fact that it forces you to rest your leader means that it's really pushing for this deck to not be aggressive. And then awaken when there are four more colors in your energy, which is kind of cool. That means you can awaken turn two. Uh, you can switch a card and up to two energy active mode and go down to six life and flip it over. Whereas on the awaken side, still has the same permanent with an activate battle this time, where you get to switch the card to rest mode to draw a card and then choose one multicolor god card in your hand and use it in a combo. So you're really not trying to attack with the leader in this deck. Um, you're really getting your advantage out of your opponent attacking you and then using the combo stuff, which is kind of cool. I mean, like with Kusu, we've seen that like there are a number of angels that proc off of combo. So uh, you're doing that on that front. And actually, we have the Unison, which kind of like ties it all together. Uh, Great Priest Invitation to Battle is a three-specified blue Unison, which is kind of weird. But he has an Activate Main for three, where if your leader Zeno or Great Priest get to play from your hand for three markers, Activate battle for plus one. Uh, you get to switch it to rest mode, then switch up to one blue god card in your energy tactic mode. Then choose up to one god card with a combo cost of one in your hand and use it in a combo. So you're getting an additional combo. That's kind of nice, especially since, um, you know, there's everything in here is combo cost one. Some of them cost combo cost two, which I think is a little bit. And then minus three auto. When your opponent plays a battle card with energy cost greater than their current energy, you get to return that card to its owner's hand. So flexible, interesting. It is kind of weird that. I don't, have we ever had a leader that has a unison that is the same character? So, like, this is a Great Priest deck, and I think it's meant to work with this Great Priest unison. So, it's a Great Priest in a Great Priest. Well, it's it's actually really funny because I've always, I've always looked at these leaders and unisons, and it's how I've broken down, like, boxes. Like, I've seen a unison, and I've been, like, this unison who is integral to this unison but could also carry you know an archetype so when i see like topo it was just confirmation you know there's a jiren leader like things like that mm -hmm. so but they've never really done anything where it's like a leader and the unison the same dude but like grand priest is just so ballin <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't need a second he doesn't need a partner grand he's like he puts on his glove and he's like, fine, I'll do it myself. And he just, he's his, he's his leader and his unison. That's just actually hilarious to me. <laughs> but um, it's just that part. I, I can't get enough of that. That part is just, it will forever be funny to me. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, it's actually just really, really, uh, I want to like this deck a lot. I just don't. I don't I'm think I scared. will either. Yeah, I don't think I'm, I'm really scared. Like, I don't think any of the cards do enough. Like, you have a lot of things that like are answerable. You have like counter play timing. You have counter like you have counter attack timing. You have a burn card. Um, erase uh, a universe is a zero cost card, but it has an activate main for one of every color. Um, and then like one any color even instead of like specified black, where you get to burn your opponent for. Uh, for one, for every two gods on cards, uh, for every two god cards on board, up to a max of two. So you can burn your opponent for two. Um, otherwise, you can combo it for 6k. Um, so, like, the strategy feels like it does a bit of everything, but I think that's the problem, is the fact that it does a bit of everything. And it doesn't inherently actually do anything well. Like, I think it it's a mediocre board wipe. You have some mediocre, like, board control. But I don't think this deck does anything. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird. So like, from what I've seen too, um, let's see. It's when you were talking about it tapping, I actually kind of like that. Cause at first it's always weird. Like, oh, I can't attack when I swing, but 
I found like playing this game for a bit when a leader doesn't have to swing to do damage. You get into these weird situations where if you can weave in any BS outside of that, then you don't have to interact with your opponent. Like if I'm ripping your hand and I don't give you any cards, like mm. psych, like sorry, like, <laughs> like <laughs> just 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 eat it. Like literally just eat it. And that that's like that's wild. Like that's literally wild. So I think that's actually hilarious. Um it's just I don't know. Like that 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 part's hilarious. But um, the cards do kind of a little bit of everything. You're right. But a lot of the effects, I feel like, are just get-off-my-butt effects. Like, I'm going to bounce you. I'm going to take away from your hand. Um, mm. Here's some offering. It's a lot of stally. Like, this deck is literally survive and then attempt to burn your opponent. Now, the thing is, though, a lot while the strategy seems to be very, very flimsy, it's weird because while it's like... Easy come, easy go. These things can get wiped off your board and clapinated. At the same time, these things also are able to just... I mean, it only takes four energy to put these guys on the board. Probably less sometimes, because some of these just combo into play. It only takes anywhere between two to four energy to put two of these guys on board. And if two of these guys are on board and you don't remove them, next turn you will be mized with a burn two. And so it's actually not terribly inconceivable that you could just feel that cat blow like energy <laughs> from this deck. But a good if the format gets to a point where this deck should be feared, it'll quickly get relegated to like a meme deck when people just start holding overwhelms or removal for their turn five. Like, oh, it's your turn four. Let me just blow out your board and then not play a single thing so you can't capitalize. My turn? Cool. Now I'll do some things and I'll do this. And like you can't you can't reestablish your board and play erase the universe in the same turn. Yeah. Like, it's just not possible. So, I think it's kind of weird. I think this deck is the deck that you fall into the X2 bracket, and you're like, okay, if I just, like, get one more win, I'll at least get prizing. And then you face this deck, and you're like, Nani? And it takes a win off of you, and you're mad for, like, the next, like, three months. Like, that's what I think this deck is. It's, like, X2 bracket trolling right now, but who knows? I'm really gonna do a deep dive once uh, we get the I'm assuming we'll be getting the rest of the cards the day after we uh, record this. And after that, I'll be able to kind of give more of a comprehensive look. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? I just think the restriction to only playing God cards, and I get it, it's very thematic. And like, I think, you know, the Great Priest has always had the speculation that he only really plays with angels. But like, um, but it's just, you can't include Overelms. A lot of the best cards you can't include. So like, you can't. Like, you can't orientate your strategy around being, like, maybe a blue-yellow heavy so that you can include some really strong blue-yellow tech. There's a couple of cards that you can because they happen to be gods, so all the benefits of that. But um, you're kind of really restricted. So it's kind of... It's, it's tough because, like, it, it feels like there's only really going to be one 1.5 ways to build this deck. So um, so just... We'll, we'll see what happens. for And, like, you know, at, at least it'll kind of be easy to track. I mean, the ones out of combo effects cost one but they're like 5k combos then you have some that cost two to combo and they're 10k combos uh, but that ain't too crazy i mean generally to give people an idea of what the archetype does uh generally if you have a multicolor energy they allow themselves to get played when you combo um and there's a lot of like barrier blocker wheezes a blocker and these in the gate that you can activate for free if you have four colors and you take a life instead um again uh Kukatail, which is the universe five angel has blocker um 
But for the most part, I have to say, though, Campari, Angel of Universe 3, is the funniest one to me. We were actually talking about this right before the show. He's he's a 2 energy cost, 1 combo, 10k. He's a 25k energy exhaust. Blue-green. That's all he is. <laughs> That's all this card does. Okay. And, and the funniest part to me is that he doesn't even work with vanilla strategies because he has energy exhaust. So he's not even a vanilla strategies card. <laughs> Okay, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. If you think it's funny that there is a dude who has no effect, I'm going to raise you exactly one funny and point out that there is an angel named Cuckatail. <laughs> he's, like he's the buffest angel. <laughs> Come on, bro. Like, like, come on. Come on. Cuckatail? Like, y'all could, like, there is no, oh my gosh. There are just certain things that, like, when they get censored, they need to be censored harder. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know what? I'll give it to them at least. Like, some of these angels, I'm like, damn, bro. I, I didn't even know you existed, my guy. Like, you were on screen legit maybe one time in the entire arc because I do not remember your face. <laughs> looks, looks down with disdain yeah i just they look down at the uh they look down at the turn of the power and they're like Ugh, mortals and then like they just sat there and then surprisingly like even though they're all angels they all like quivered when like jiren was just like wilding out for no reason like jiren would just like clench both butt cheeks and like angels would be like oh <laughs> like jeez <laughs> okay. well here's a here's the thing and like it's a metaphor that i really enjoyed and i first heard it when like Beerus was like impressed by Goku by like the end of their first fight when uh, in um, the God Saiyan movie. And then like you can definitely apply it to this angel one. It's like imagine an ant. Now like generally you're not very impressed by what an ant does. But like if you like press your finger on an ant and the ant's able to push your finger back. Like I'm gonna be hella impressed. I'm gonna be shook. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> now not, I, I, at no point am I worried about this ant beating my ass. But like, bro, this ant just pushed my finger. That's kind of wild, dude. <laughs> I mean, that look, you got you got some facts. You got some facts. So, so I mean, look, Grand Priest. I, I, I like I said, it, it's a conflict of interest right now because I'm about to go like balls deep, like to the base of the shaft. The moment we get the rest of these angels, and so I, I can't give away all my goodies. You guys are gonna have to listen to what's on the podcast, and you're gonna have to listen to the video which will also link back to the podcast in which case there will be an infinite cyclage of cross-pollination and that's just what you're gonna have to deal with but just know that for some reason they literally could have put revive on this dead angel and it would have just at least had another keyword like there there could have been any this guy could have been the one guy with barrier come on like just give it barrier so it sits on the board but no there's a vanilla angel i'm just there is there is a vanilla with worse stats than acrylic and it's, it's been worse, printed at some point. And it's worse than a real vanilla. <laughs> it's worse than a real it's a vanilla. It's a vanilla that isn't even a vanilla. And then mind you, there is an angel named Cuckatail. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. Uh God. But yeah, the, the leader lends itself very defensive. So who knows? Like I think like they need a win con. And I don't if if they bank it on that burn being like their full on win con, then we'll see. But it hopefully the other angels help bring it together. Otherwise, then what the angels really represent, I think it was just an excuse to print a bunch of multicolor cards in a non-multicolor set and like 
a lot of decks will be able, like Kusu works in a lot of decks just because she's basically like a um, power crept uh, Vegeta the Cruel. So uh, this could have been their excuse to push multicolor support onto a number of decks. There's a couple of SR angels, a couple of rares that are decent too. And then, um, you know, just throw it together in an archetype to kind of bring it together. So at the end of the day, like not every archetype needs to be a 10 out of 10 competitive wise, but it's flavorful. Um, it's fun from the looks of it. And um, it provides opportunities to be able to provide generic color support. So I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. All I know is that I'm going to have a lot of fun if I do troll with the deck when you're at four life and I'm just like combo fervory, pay one red, offering, and then you just go, yeah, draw two, dude. My play pot of greed! Like, that. that's literally just what it looks like to me. Like, <laughs> that's just so wild. Like, who the, who, who the crap's going to crit a life <laughs> for one energy? It's like, nah, just draw two. Yeah. I think that's actually, like, really crazy. So, your next topic, sir. Yeah, well, the next ones over are the ones near and dear to your heart. We got Universe 7s. Um, and so from the looks of it, it does seem like this archetype is going to be like half Vegex-ish. There's like one or two cards that end up playing themselves when you mill them. Um, and the other half is just basically getting good bodies for Chief for doing what your deck was doing. So it feel, like like I was saying in the the fir our first podcast episode, this archetype feels very cookie cutter in that like helku it has an interesting way of doing something but it just feels like a way to get you know double strike crit and like blockers on board so i the, you know one of the uh hallmark cards here is like android 17 for the universe's survival it's an sr three cost two specified red it's double strike for sparking seven auto when this card attacks, look at top three cards at the top of your deck. Add up to one mono red universe seven card among them to your hand, and then place the remaining cards at the bottom of your deck. Activate main limit one for one red. If your leader cards are red, you need seven, and there are five or more unique sevens in your drop, you play it from your hand. So I think this is the first time we see sparking on like a keyword skill. Um, and again, like this just feels like I get it, you get to play it for one, but it's limit one. And like, I don't know. It's a good card, don't get me wrong, you're hundred percent playing this card. This card is like super good. But it just it feels tacked on just to be like, hey, here's the reason why you're bursting. <laughs> it's kind of funny because like, okay, so here is how I see it. Everything is thematic, okay? Um, like, Grand Priest doesn't swing. Why? Because Grand Priest doesn't get his hands dirty. He lets his angels do everything for him. So he don't swing, all right? Cuckatail is incredibly buff because generally it's the buffer dudes you never expect to get cucked getting cucked. It's all thematic. Bandai knows what they're doing. Bruh. Now, <laughs> now you're at this U7 stuff and something I find cute because literally Bandai is all about that thematic flavor. These guys all can be dropped in theme, but they mostly gain effects when they're sparking. Do you know what your deck is? Your deck is essentially another life pool. When your deck runs out, the game is over. Basically, when you have sparking, it's because you're bursting. When you have burst, your deck is running out. So when your deck is low, when the game is about to be over, when the tournament is getting to its final hours, these guys all get stronger. And they're like, for the universe's survival. You're running out of time. Your deck is time. They gain additional effects. I think that's thematic flavor. Bandai is all about that. Yeah, I mean, it's super thematic. And it, like it ties in with the leader really well. But like that that's what I was saying when we were talking about the leader last episode where I was just like 
Like, I feel like the only thing that's going to make this leader viable is if the entire R-Type really only works with him. And he kind of does, right? Like, Gohan, you can't reliably, like, get that many Universe 7s in your drop with Gohan. Like, that's just not happening. So Believe me, guys, I've done, done the math. It's, it's 17 <laughs> is one of the only usable cards from that Goku deck in Gohan. And even that, you're using a dude that should come out on turn two, on turn three or so. Unless you really want to go overboard in the comboing, in which case, you're probably miscomboing. It, uh, I, I can't. Yeah, so it's a hard night life. So yeah, so you're using that leader, but like that's fine. Like, uh, if anything, it has made me want to use the leader, right? Like, so we have our double striker in the form of Android Seventeen. Um, we have our critical in the form of SSB Vegeta, uh, whereas he requires sparking ten, and he plays for two. Um, and then when he's played, you draw a card, and he pops two cards with barrier for minus fifteen. I mean, that's just valuable. Um, you have Frieza, which is the dual attacker. Again, uh, he gives a battle card minus 15 when he's played. Uh, does not ignore barrier this time. We have a counterplay. Um, Son Goku, sign of mastery. Uh, limit one counterplay, play this card for three. Uh, however, permanent, sparking 70 for leader cards, a mono red Son Goku card, you get to reduce the cost by two. So it costs one. And then when he's played, you get to choose up to one of your opponent's battle cards and it gets minus 15k for the turn. And then additionally, if the skill reduces the chosen card power to zero or less, draw a card. So you get to draw an additional card. So like a lot of hard value cards, um, super solid across the board. So the archetype just feels like it'll be like decent, mid-range, pushy. Um, so like it, it, it makes me want to play the leader. And I think, you know, in trying to force people to play more decks and not just play like the best generic deck, like I think it's succeeding decently well at doing that. Yeah, I um, when it comes to that... I definitely feel like it has its like place, you know. Um, I'm kind of weird. I feel like right now red <clears throat> is just an early game color at this very moment. Um, it's not terribly great at lasting in the mid game. Like when you start getting to the mid game, you start kind of opening up yourself to get clapped because there are decks that are just better than you at the mid game. Cough, cough, yellow, and all blue as well. So um it's it's a very weird kind of balance for me because i want to stretch it to mid-range but one you only have 60 cards in your deck and the later you get in the game the more at risk you are to milling or to running out because once you'll find that playing the deck like you'll see it in my video which i'm shamelessly plugging right now once you actually flip you're only going to start bursting because once you flip it's no longer burst it's a mill up to three and you'll yeah. only mill when you're trying to either dump your secret rare in the grave to get it back or in very weird situations. You don't really mill after you flip your card over. However, by the time you flip your card over, you're probably closer to 20 to 15 cards in deck than not. And so you're on a clock. And uh, that makes it very weird for mid-range. I ran the deck at 52, probably could go up to 54 if I wanted to fill it a little bit more. And it still felt tight after turn three to four. Like, So the other thing is that these cards are very red in nature and i feel like this is the way red needs to be but when i say red in nature i mean they are impactful best on turns two and three and then when you get to four you should be swinging out with your entire board and then closing out with the secret rare, which you there's almost no way you don't find the secret rare in this deck unless it's in your last couple life in which case oops sorry play a better deck but the um the point is when you are on turn two and you resolve a Android six or Android seventeen and a Frieza. You are swinging with your leader for ten k. You're swinging with seventeen for fifteen k and searching. And you're swinging twice with a nineteen k. When you get to your next turn and you play a Divine Presence 
awaken, play another divine presence, the same combo step, you are now swinging with your leader that just got boosted, Android uh, 17, which has probably got sparking at this point to be double strike. You're swinging with Frieza twice for 19k, and you're swinging a total of four times between two divine presences. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight swings on turn three. That's tight. When you're at turn four or five and you try this, there are just far too many ways for your opponents to shut that down completely. Um, I mean, this deck will fold to Riposte no matter, or Riposte no matter which turn it gets played. But the later you get into the game, the less impactful some of these cards are. Like a 19k dual attack is destructive on turn two, not so destructive on turn four or five. So I feel like this deck really has to do a lot of its work early game. But I, again, I think that's what red should be. Sorry for that tangent. <laughs> nah, I mean, it's very on theme, right? And I think um, tightening up color identity is probably something that we should push for as far as like the game moving into the next couple of sets. And I think if we can bring back that red identity of, you know, red cards doing what they're supposed to and pushing for those early gameplay. And then, and because like you can see it in that, like red, I find always struggles to close out games. It it can defend itself. It can go like game if it needs to. It has some of the best floodgates. Um, it can do some mid rangey stuff, and it can establish a board. But closing out games has always been a struggle, and that's just because the red design philosophy makes it really tough to have incredibly good boss monsters. So the the fact that red hasn't lent itself to being able to be able to get this kind of game plan consistently for a while now definitely helps. Um, when we get archetypes like these that seem to really want to push that agenda. So I'm all for it. Um, and then in terms of like wrapping up what the archetype is looking like, I mean, we have uh, two unisons. Um, and actually, this is a good time to introduce uh, Empower. So Empower is a new keyword being introduced to unisons, basically saying if this unison replaces another one, it carries X amount of markers. So Gold Freeze and Android 17 Determined Tech Team is a two specified cost red unison with Empower Red 2. So if it replaces a unison and that unison has two or more markers, it'll bring two over to Golden Freezer. Something to note, and I, a lot of people have been asking about this, um, Empower applies before the card hits the board. So technically, if you have a black unison that has Empower whatever, um, if you play the unison for nothing, which you can do, that's legal play, um, then it would actually come in with the amount of markers that were on the previous unison. So just something to note. Um, it's not you know, only really relevant to black for the most part, but just something to keep in mind. Um, Gold Frieza has an auto burst one. If this card has four or more markers, when this card is played, draw one. So basically, either you're paying four for it or you pay two, and it has the empower two. And then auto once per turn, if it's your turn, when a card is placed in your drop area from your deck, add a marker placed in your um, add a marker to this card. Then choose up to one of your opponent's battle cards that gets minus fifteen k power for the turn. And uh, the first auto where you draw a card bursts one as well. So not only are you bursting to be able to get your drop to where it needs to be, um, but because you bursted, then you get to do the neg. So that's kind of cool. And then you can do the minus four activate main where it gets 5k power and triple <clears throat> attack. Um, which means that like the turn it comes in, it can actually minus four, which is kind of cool. Um, alternatively, we do have Super Shenron. He has Empower Red for six. <laughs> and uh, that's mostly just because he has a minus seven activate main where if you're a universe leader, you get the draw card and then gain a life. Otherwise, he plus ones um, to draw you a card if you have four or more in hand or four or less in hand. So. They're fine. They're okay. I mean, I could see the Golden Freeze to see play just in general, but I, I don't I don't know about Super Shenron. Yeah, let me uh let me let me tell y'all something. All right, <sighs> let me let me play good cop bad cop. If you can't tell, Aspira 
George here. He was the uh, good cop. So it's time for me to <laughs> give me the bad cop real quick. All right. Uh, I'm not saying I've been testing the deck, but uh, I have nothing better to do in my life than to be testing Dragon Ball Super during the holidays. So say with that, say about that as you will. But the point is, um, turn one, you burst three, you draw one, you discard in your verse seven. If your deck is built consistently, that is three universe sevens, and you are dropping a fourth one in. Your second turn, you do it again. You tap one, you play Android 15. That is turn, or 17. Turn two, that is a 15k double striker that is going to search the top card of your, top three cards of your deck and do that, okay? Now, let's just go to another planet where you're playing unisons, and you can't just play the Golden Frieza and Android 17 unison without another unison, because otherwise you're never going to get a power off, so he's going to be incredibly costly. So you're probably running no less than six unisons in a deck. You got your crowns of retributions. You've got your extra card negates. Um, turn one, you mill a universe seven and two non-universe sevens. You discard a universe seven. That's only two. Yeah. Turn two, you do the same thing. You can play your Android 15 or 17, but it's only going to be a 15K to search the top three, which is still very good, but not the double strike pressure. It could be. Uh, critical failure, your second one, you miss completely. You mill two unisons and a negate, and you discard a U7. You, at this point, have three universe sevens in your grave. You cannot play any of your cards. <laughs> like... I don't, I, that's why, uh, if anybody was noticing, a couple people asked me, that's why I had zero unisons in that deck for the test build, because consistency is key. When you're playing aggro, it's all about your early turn consistency, because those early turns are where you can do your best work. If you were not doing the same exact function every game in the first couple turns, you're already losing. So I feel really weird about how the deck is made, because it's forcing you to kind of play a certain build like like george said it's very cookie cutter yeah and like that it's one of those decks where if you're not getting your game plan out turn two turn three like a whole turn makes a whole kind of difference in this kind of deck um like if i know that your turn two you're not starting to apply pressure on me in a way that your deck is like optimized to do so like i feel so much better when i'm on the other side of the board like i'm chilling so and it's like it's one of those situations where like even like with VegX or with Gogeta X, like you very attentively look at their mills and if they're bad, you're like, okay, sweet, I scored because they can't do anything with their job. Um, and you want to put yourself in a position to minimize that as much as possible. So like these unisons exist and I think they have empowers specifically because they make you feel like, you know, yeah, we know this deck doesn't really get out unisons early, but like even then, like I don't see the turn where you do get unisons out. Like maybe turn three, maybe, but even then like, if I'm going to put efforts into whatever this Frieza or Super Shenron's doing, why don't I just play like Piccolo instead and at least punish you for trying to negate my aggression, you know? I mean, yep. And to a higher, like to a, to a degree for me, that's the question I came into a lot just playing the deck. Am I going to tap two for a unison or am I going to play a 17 and a Golden Frieza in the same turn? I can play one 15k Slinger that'll draw me a card or I can play a 15k double strike that's going to search my top three for a card and a 19k dual attacker that's going to minus 15k something on the board like it's almost incomparable to me how much value you're getting versus playing two on a unison versus playing two one drops that are tailored for this deck mm. um and then to round out i mean you know the vegx aspect that we have entered 17 heating the call Auto, limit one, burst one, so you're only going to get one. But when he's milled, you play him, 
and he draws you a card. I mean, I think it's a common. I, you you include four of these in your deck, right? Like, there's no reason not to. I I feel weird about it. I think uh, I'd side like this is gonna sound really weird, but I'd side them for yellow. Like, if you're what? playing repost, if you if you're playing repost, I'm just gonna put them all in, and then I'll have bodies on board to tap yeah. when you repost me. I but feel like, like it's an auto include, man. It's a free draw, and it bursts when you play him, so it's gonna replace himself with another universe seven, anyways. I mean, he he he's 5k combo power. He's filler. If you need to get up to 55 and you're only running like 51, put four of this dude in. I, it, it's weird for me. Like, I, I feel like if I see him in hand, I'm just like, what do you do? Get charged? And then, like, my one energy is generally about to be a beater. So I'm never going to be trying to play this guy for... If I played him for one energy, you okay, know my, no, then... my hand is truly <laughs> cuckatail. It's it's angel cuckatail. If I ever catch replay. Okay, I'm not saying you play it, but I'm saying like, let's say your deck's at like 54 or whatever, and you haven't yeah. hit 60 yet. Why not include him? He replaces himself, he does the burst, so he doesn't replace one of your bursts, so he's gonna stay on board. And now it works, he's a charge in hand for the next turn. There's no reason not to at that game. If, that, if, that's, if that's the point, that, there's yeah, no reason not to. Obviously, if you have enough universe sevens and other crap you wanna include in your deck that make him better, then like, sure. But if it, that's alert, not the you know. case, <laughs> <turns out> you <laughs> might. but you know, if, if you're in a position where you have free space in your deck, I just think there's no harm in doing it. It's a free draw. Like it, it turns your, turns your burst turn into a draw too. This is fair. Wait, wait, wait. You forgot about that, that signature Bandai writing. He only draws when you play him from hand. <laughs> All right, never all right. mind. All right, you know, I'm closing the tab, bro. Never mind. We don't include this card at all. I mean, maybe it's a free 5k. It's like drawing a card. It's like drawing a card, yes. but it doesn't It doesn't draw. He's, bro. he's, what combo, he's combo power. Oh, my God. Okay, anyways, moving. I mean, there's a sparking to get. There's a sparking super combo. Would you use it? I don't know. Yes, yeah. uh, I, I think so. Because yeah. you want to you wanna have access to... This deck awakens at seven life and has no cards in its repertoire that take its life. So I feel like, yeah, you you kind of want to use the uh, the sparking negate because you'll always have access to it ASAP. Like it's always going to be there and ready, hot and ready, like Little Caesar's Pizza. Is it hey. good? We don't know about that. Just like <laughs> Caesar's Pizza, but like at the same time, at the same time, uh, I mean, at least it's hot and it's ready. Like, your that super is. combo will be usable as of turn two. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Like, I think you would just use it. One, like, you want to use a super combo that's compatible with having enough universe sevens in your drop anyways. Um, which, like, two of them exist. And you might as well use a sparking one because especially if your leader is one that's going to awaken and have a bunch of life. One, if you can super combo and maintain that high life total, all the better for you. Mm -hmm. Two, just having the super combo available early on allows you to push aggression without having to like find a way to burn your health if it's if your deck's not construed to work that way. So, yeah, like having your super combo be the sparking one allows you to put your divine presence at like 115k on turn three, knowing that if they go down to one life, you just have to clench your butt cheeks and survive and then windmill the new secret rare down. So, feels yep. good. Feels good, mate. I Good timing, mentioning the secret. We might as well jump into that before we talk about the ramp stuff, since it is a Universe 7. SSB Vegeta Unbridled Power is one of our new secret rares. It is a red, 8 cost, 4 specified red, with dual attack, sparking 25, so you know you're going to be bursting to get his guy off. Uh, ultimate Deflect, Triple Strike, so Deflect is awesome, Triple Strike is awesome. It's a big, beefy body, he's a 40k. Activate main for 4 red, play this card from your hand, and you may have one of your opponent's lead cards get minus 5k power for the 
the turn. That's huge. That's key, especially in this kind of deck where like you're establishing board every single turn. If your opponent can't deal with it, it's going to be massive. And finally, an activate main where you have to remove it from the game. You get to choose all your opponent's battle cards in use and card, ignoring barrier, place them in the drop, and then place one card from your opponent's life in the drop also. I think this card snapped. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've like, had people tell me this card isn't good. I, and I'm like, I don't, this card's busted. What do you mean? It does bro, everything. <laughs> if, if I if I could have just gone back in time and had this secret rare all the times where I'm just like, wow, you're at one life. And I don't think I'm ever going to get a chance to break through your board. Wait, tap for deflect. Like, yes, absolutely. Yes. And what people don't, what people don't realize is like, this changes the landscape of the game. All those times where you had like a divine presence swinging for like 30k, but you could easily put it up to 40, 50k, but you could also put it up to 40, 50k and add a chompa on it. Oh, but that's only going to leave your opponent at one life. How sad. Okay, cool. Survive with your combo power. Play this card. Proceed to Dougie. Like it's not even close. Like it changes up the landscape of how you can play your games. And it puts like the fear of God into people. Like, the moment somebody's out here and you put them down to one life on turn three and just give them the thumbs up and pass, and they're like, oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and they might try to like be a little aggressive when they don't need to be. They might try to play out of their style when they don't need to. And Red is very good at holding up one energy and that energy being violent rays followed by a testing the op and then being like, great, yes, you're not getting through anymore. And that's beautiful. So, um, yeah, enough said. Like, that card is great. Yeah, it's incredibly good. Having Deflect is huge. I mean, and thank God it does, because this one costs four. If Unis you know, if Secret Rares that cost zero and one are allowed to exist, then at least the one that costs us four has protection. But I think, like, this feels like a finisher that Red's needed for a long time. Like, I haven't felt this good about, like, a Red Secret and a Red Finisher since, like maybe, like, since the Frieza. And, like, Frieza was good for its time, but it didn't scale because of like how hard it is to get on board and the you know the fact that like it, it it's it, it there's no guarantee in your swing actually getting through but this one i feel so confident about because like getting your opponent to one is so good it's a finisher that i can guarantee it uh, in the right deck and it doesn't need to be the only thing that requires this to be in a universe seven deck is the dual attack like the this universe seven deck is the dual attack for sparking 25 which other red decks can definitely get there i mean otherwise you still get to play it um he's not leader locked he just happens to need four specified red and like He's a he's a complete board wipe, battle cards and unison cards, ignoring barrier, um, and then you get the burn. So I think he's incredibly strong, um, and it's just super solid card and like one that I'm excited, like super excited to play. Um, though I will say, like, and I, I'm like you know like we we name drop videos about here, and this is a video I'm gonna make sometime probably next week, but like, he's a Vegeta's lineage. What the hell? <laughs> At this point, we have such random Vegeta's lineage cards. What is this archetype even supposed to be? Look, like, bro. like this is probably just flavor, but like I don't understand. Like we have red green Vegeta lineage stuff. We have some King Vegeta's that are Vegeta's lineage. We have rando Vegeta's that do nothing with those previous two, and now this SCR's Vegeta's lineage. And I just I don't know. I don't know. Look, bro. Look. All you need to know is that somewhere on the horizon, Vegeta's lineage is building and we don't know when it's going to be a deck we don't know where it's going to be a deck but are they making random cards with vegeta's lineage that have no correlation with each other whatsoever yes and one day <laughs> these cards will come together but i just and I... they might do something one day 
one day they're going to print a set and a TP and a theme booster. And this car is going to become $2,000 because on turn two, you can straight up red ramp yourself into this card and punch your opponent for six and blow their socks off for game. So like, get it while you can, guys. It's coming. All these like, all these fingers are going to clench into a fist soon enough. Uh, someday, man. It's just like when EB came out and, like, they showcased, like, the red, green, like, lineage stuff. Like... I, I picked up foils of everything. I'm like, all right, cool. This is the next Vegeta's lineage. All right, let's see it. You know, they're just prepping us for the next set. And then the next set came out and we got dick. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, bet. I guess, I guess you know, multicolor sets are going to come eventually. We're going to get some support. And like next set came in and we got like a card and it didn't do anything. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't understand. What's the point? Like, and all these cards are so disjointed. And then I told my stream a number of times, like, guys, I'm telling you, Vegeta lineage is coming. Get ready. And like that one, I feel like I cheated. So, I mean, thank God the cars were never expensive. So at least no one like broke the bank on it. But like, bro, <laughs> I am so confused as to what the vision for Vegeta's lineage is supposed to be. Uh, to our audio listeners, uh, we did have to pivot uh, some audio because uh, Chris has to make his way over somewhere. But the ever so uh, committed content creator he is, he'll be sticking with us until we wrap up here. Nevertheless, so moving on from the that SCR Vegeta rant, which don't get me wrong, I still love the card. I think it's a like... 10 out of 10. I love it. And it's a gorgeous card. You guys definitely should check it out if you guys haven't seen it yet. It is available on the official Dragon Ball Super Card Game Facebook page at the moment. And it might be on their website by now. I'm not going to confirm that because I can't actually say. But um, definitely worth checking it out. It's a gorgeous card. Um, the Moving on from that, the last set of spoilers. Um, and it's one very near and dear to my heart. Is uh, these new Vegeta promo along with associated BR cards, which is kind of a variant on Gogeta Ramp, um, a deck that I had previously taken to a regional top three. Um, and I'm very excited to see them try and tread new waters with this. Um, I know that, uh, Chris, you've been digging deep. You made like two, and I think there might be a third at some point, videos coming out talking about the different options and what this card does and the spoilers and all that. Uh, well, one, before we even get on that, uh, talk to him some more cuz flex flex a little bit with that uh gogeta <laughs> ramp victory um but uh i mean yeah yeah i i literally made one and uh i was out of my mind and i was like bsa how would you guys like it if i made a vegeta video and just dropped it at like i don't know this time at late at night and they were all like yeah and shout outs to you guys because I'm going to put it out there right now. I would have never thought I could just drop a video at like 11.40 p.m. and have it maintain the same viewership as something I drop in like a prime like lunch-ish a little earlier time. So thank you guys for sharing that video. Uh, I am very, very grateful for that support. But then the very next morning, we actually got like game-changing spoilers for that deck. And it really was funny because I, I remember saying at the end of that video, I was like, you know what would actually really be good for this deck? Another fusion, like a Veku maybe, maybe two Vekus, both red-blue, so you have a good charge. Have one of them ramp, have one of them search. And then the next morning, we get a red-blue Gogeta that ramps, and I'm like, ah. Yeah, <laughs> All right, <is>. well, <laughs> where it be? And also, I'm still kind of concerned that there's going to be another red-blue because, one, we haven't seen any blue Gogeta, and I just can't imagine they'd be like, here's his leader, here are these fodders, but, and here's this, like, intermediate, you know, fusion, but 
we're not going to give you a brand new Gogeta boss. So I still feel like we could be in for like an SR red blue. Um, especially since there's going to be a lot of SRs this set. So I feel like we still could be in for an SR Gogeta blue that's red blue. So you can search it, charge it, do your thing. But um, yeah, I mean, I do have a third video coming out. I'm just squinting now. The deck mm -hmm. list still needs to be refined. And uh, frankly, at this point, I'm kind of so-so on it. And I'm actually trying to take my content a lot more seriously. I don't want to, uh, even though I can do a whole U7 Goku video and like not discard for Goku's burst effect once, um, that doesn't mean that you should not count on me to read the other effects and try to take my time with these things. And frankly, that was only about two turns per not discarding. It was only a difference of two cards, <laughs> so like Primeer River. But at the same time, I am trying to work on, I am working on getting a good Vegeta deck so that you guys can have something to look at. Because uh, I think there is some fun plays about it. It's always cool when you have red and blue. It's like, honestly, my favorite color combination because blue has always been the color, uh, the color of like, you know, manipulation and resource management. And red is the color of aggression. And the whole thing about red is red normally has terrible, terrible energy utilization because yeah. if it did, you just be slapping people left and right. But when you combine it with blue, you get some of the most like devastating, like punch you in the face, repeated, like double strike, critical, just gang gang type ish. And so I'm very, very happy for there to be a blue leader that uses red cards, because for me, that combines the best of both my favorite play styles. I love red blue decks. Yeah. Same thing for me. I think like I've always talked about how red is like so incredibly energy hungry like everything it does like it feels like every single archetype i've played in red starves for energy and that's why i love red blue so much like you give that energy manipulation into a color that you know if given the ability to extend can do so much with it so like i love red blue um you know invoker <laughs> and then ramp gogeta have been two decks that have been very near and dear to my heart so um especially now that it's like direct support so um the vegeta itself is like and i have some concerns because I actually think Gogeta, like, if we don't get another card, like an, like you said, like a, an SR or something, I actually think Gogeta's still better. But uh, Vegeta here, you know, when he swings, he draws a card, so he's a more proactive, um, you don't get derped as much by not being able to uh, draw uh, one of your pieces on the front side. And then an activate battle once per turn, which means you can do it on you and your opponent's side, choose up to one red or blue Saiyan card in your hand and discard it. Look at top three cards from the top of your deck, add up to one Goku, Vegeta, or Gogeta BR card and mine them to your hand, and then place your remaining cards on top of your deck. So so Vegeta really foregoes Veku. You, you can't do any Veku stuff with this deck, or you're really not incentivized to do so. You're really just pushing to do Gogeta, Vegeta, and Goku stuff, and it's choose up to one. A lot of people think this card, this deck's gonna get errata. I don't think it, like, I don't think it's necessary. I think, yes, while you could be plussing on both sides, um, the reality is you're plussing on some very mediocre cards that like don't do much. I was about to say. Like the, the like here's the thing. As someone who's played an extensive amount of Gogeta ramp, most Goku BRs and Vegeta BRs that live in red suck donkey. Like they don't do anything. And the only reason you put them in your deck is because they're fodder. Like they're literally fusion fodder. So it's fine. And especially since you're only really going to be doing this for like your first couple of turns. Like it's it's honestly okay. It's not that bad. Um, like, let's yeah. be completely honest. This is not breaking the game. And no. while like yellow is legitimately just being a tyrant in terms of card quality, let this singular blue leader 
draw on swing and potentially plus two. Like, just let it happen. There's no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I swear on this deck, like, like even when this deck has its best turns, like, look at the boss cards that it's putting out. Like, okay, I, I'm not trying to hate on anybody because once again, I, I love your feedback. But when, like, everybody was telling me, like, oh, Chris, you forgot critical combination in your list of boss cards. I was like, that's because I'm not going to include something without deflect that just gets negated and it's just sideways waiting to get blown up. Like, I'm not saying that critical combination can't do anything, but there's a whole lot of triple strikes in the game that could turn sideways. And if your opponent has no response, yes, they would do damage. But that's why I see critical combination. That's why I specifically talked about technique unchained which can come in as a six drop and cheat in and then you can discard two red cards to ex evolve it into fusion onslaught if your opponent's board is empty because that is doing something that mm -hmm. will come in and potentially just burn your opponent for two but yeah you could play a triple strike but a triple strike for four that could, that doesn't have deflect and is probably gonna get in the end that that just doesn't really feel like threatening so yes even when you play this deck with what it has, unless we get like a very good updated boss Gogeta card, it's like, okay, I've gone all the way up the chain for you to have three weenies on board. And so I'm not burning you for two pass. Like that, it doesn't quite like come together. So right now this deck is fun ish. I think it's fun to be able to have these interactions. It's fun to go plus two with your leader. But like George said, you have fusion fodder and it is fodder. Like, they they do some cool things and actually by the way can we please point out the the vegeta shaft here yet again like goku's like self-awakening when used in fusion untap energy at end of turn when used for fusion vegeta search a gogeta oh that's pretty cool discard a card too though what like yeah like here's uh, the, the vegetas were actually super solid when you ran go and if you run gogeta because they work better with the Beku stuff but standalone Union Fusion, the Vegetas do nothing, almost. It looks so funky sometimes when you look at these cards. But at the same time, like I said, it only takes a good Gogeta to evolve into mm -hmm. for this deck to be a threat threat. And so I, I have my fingers crossed because I literally just, like I said, the other video, I was like, what would make this deck better for me? A card that ramps. Now, I'm going to give a plus. They made a card that ramps. I'm going to give a minus. It did nothing for the speed of your awakening. You were either getting to turn four charging and then being like, I'm at four. I can awaken now. Or you're on turn three, you're going to play this card, maybe use Might in the Making Goku to make sure you're not completely tapped out. Afterwards, you're going to ramp at the end of your turn. And then when you get to your turn five, you'll be charging to turn. Uh, when you get to your turn four, you'll be charging to five energy and awakening on the same turn you would have woken before. So while it ramps, it doesn't actually speed up your awakening strategy. It just speeds up what part of energy you're on. And that that does things on its own, but I was really hoping we wouldn't have to wait till turn four for the alternative thing. By turn four, you're probably going to awaken off of life in general. Like, I'm not going to front. Yeah, like, like, the reason it's there is mostly because a lot of people, what they do against the Gogeta strategies typically, like Gogeta Ramp, is that they try and stall your Awaken. So, like, I think the idea is that, like, typically you'll Awaken. I think the idea is that typically you'll Awaken out for anyways. But um, if your opponent's trying to stall you out, well, then here's your alt to be able to start doing your stuff. Um, so if you have four more energy, you get to Awaken. And on Awaken, you draw one card and flip it over. And the, the other side's interesting. It's a permanent where your red Gogeta BR cards in your hand gain... A union fusion for one red one blue and two 
uh, for any Goku BR and Vegeta BR. So that's super cool. And that's why, you know, we've heard Chris talking about all these different red Gogetas that can do a bunch of interesting things. Um, but, you know, some of the really good ones only really have their best effects on Evolve or they only really work um, at best with red leaders. And this is still a blue leader. Um, but what this does, and like, like that's the thing that keeps my mind open to this deck. I mean, I'll just wrap up what it does. Uh, on swing, he draws. And then when you play a Gogeta BR card, you draw a card. And then at the end of the turn, you untap a red blue. Um, so like the thing with this leader, and it's like you're saying, like we just need another Gogeta boss card. This leader scales into future design space. You know, if we get good Vegetas uh, and Goku BRs, if we get uh, a good Gogeta, um, this leader scales with that. So it's a leader you have to keep in mind moving forward because his ability applies to all red Gogetas, which Gogeta tends to be in red. But additionally, because it just has so much cycling on its front side that like if eventually it cycles into relevant Gokus and Vegetas, then we have a leader that could be very dangerous. And it's in blue. So... Um, on that front, I think it's incredibly powerful, and I think it does a lot. But at the moment, I think, like, here's the thing. If we're talking about your typical burn chain, um, and I guess it just serves right now to talk about the SS Gogeta. Uh, SS Gogeta holding nothing back is a 5-cost unison. Energy exhaust blocker, union fusion for 3, using a Sun Goku and a Vegeta BR. He can't be killed by skill, so that's kind of nice. It means a charismatic villain can't get at him. And then at the end of the turn, you draw a card and then ramp a blue-red multicolor from your drop the turn he's played so it doesn't do it over and over again you're a turn behind um as far as energy works for the main combo where you go into the six shop gogeta to then go into the frenzied burst gogeta to burn your opponent your opponent for four you're actually a turn behind you're you're short one energy to make the combo work um so at that point gogeta is just better um so like what so at the moment you don't really have good gogetas that work with this and maybe that could change in the future but at the moment like your gogeta options are like fine so, like, what you're gaining in this leader is the cycling on his front side, really. And, like, the ability to untap energy, but, like, you're ramping. So, like, if you're lucky with your ramp, like, based on your selection, then, especially with the Bromo Goku, that could have no energy exhaust if your opponent stepped out. So, it's, like, this weird position where it's, like, Vegeta's cool, but I don't actually know if it does anything well enough to warrant us doing that instead of doing what we typically do instead. Yeah, and uh, I definitely feel like when it comes to the blue Gogeta ramp, Gogeta currently still is the better deck, especially seeing is that it can still use the new cards that are being released for this Vegeta. Uh, like it can use the new red blue, like Gogeta. It's just like that's wild to me. But at the same time, uh, if you with the caveat of trying to lean on the red Gogetas, it's really weird because it's one of those strategies that is very avoidable. Like if your opponent is caught lacking, or they're an opponent, or you're playing a deck that doesn't really play that many battle cards, yeah, you'll go into a go the uh, uh, technique unchained, and you'll swing with it and minus twenty k something. Maybe you'll have some other cards in your deck that it could bounce or tuck, and you've been managing their board. And then you know you swing at one of their battle cards for thirty k, but you also burn one of their uh, battle cards. Or you'll swing it for 35k, but you also burn one of their battle cards for 20k, and their board is clear. Then you drop two and you burn them. And that's cool and all. But, like, if I ever see you playing that Vegeta card, and I see you charge, like, a red Gogeta, I'm just going to start playing stuff I don't even need to play. Mm. Like, like this one drop that I really could keep in hand for 5k, you know what? It's on board in 5k now. You're not, you're not, what are you going to do? Yamcha me? Psych, you're not a red leader. Like, it's, it's, 
just kind of weird in that regard. Like, I feel like what Vegeta can do better is easily counterable. And what it could be doing, you could be playing a better leader for. So we only have time to tell. I mean, like George said, this is going to be heavily dependent on cards that we see. Because for all we know, this could be a ticking time bomb. Get your winner's foils now if you like Vegeta, because we could have an anniversary set. And it could just bring out two new red Vegetas and, you know, two red fodder Goku and Vegetas. And all of a sudden, it could just snap the deck, like, in half. So, you never know. I think uh, this game, it's not as bad as Yu-Gi-Oh! when it comes to cards tripping over themselves in the future. But every now and then, you get a gem. So I think this game does kind of reward you for master collecting because every now and then you can just blow the dust off of an old card and it's bonkers. But this game, with its archetype, leaning heavily kind of design style, it doesn't happen as often as other games, I think. Yeah, not 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 as much. Um, and even like if it does, generally it tends to work better with the newer stuff anyways. So... Like, there's a lot of crossover because it's just of the way that character traits work, the way that special traits work, and the way that, like, um, just the color identities tend to work out. But for the most part, um, it's pretty good, but sometimes you get a bone, and that's kind of nice. Um, especially when we're talking, like, anything that involves Gogetas and Vegeta. Uh, I mean, Vegeta's Goku's. And then you got, like, your fusions like Vegito and Gogeta, especially Gogeta since, you know, in Super now, that's the Hallmark fusion ever since the Burly movie. Um, I think I, I, I think there's a lot to keep your eyes on. Um, like even like even then, like we got a Vegeta and a Goku. Now they don't do anything really. Um, they're two costs that draw you a card and switch up to one of your red blue multicolor uh, untap at the end of the turn. One's a crit, one's a blocker. Like it's fine, but like it's incidental support and um, arguably the Vegeta might end up actually being one of the better options. But um, you know the things to keep in mind. Um, anytime you're dealing with Goku's and Vegetas, there it's. Keep it in the back of your mind that there could be additional support. And especially with this leader, because um, he has powerful abilities. He just needs the card pool for it now. And that's something that you're going to have to keep in mind as uh, other stuff gets, you know, fed. And oddly enough, Gogeta Ramp is like an archetype that they've been supporting time and time again. Like, uh, like there's an ongoing joke <laughs> that I work for Bandai, which like I don't. I just collaborate with them a lot. Um, but like, especially when I top three'd with Gogeta Ramp and like dead ass the week after was spoiled all the anniversary cards that like directly support the deck. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, and everyone's like looking at me with these eyes and I'm like, guys, like if I knew this was coming, do you really think I would take that deck to a regional the week before? Like, <laughs> like it's even uh. as a hype machine, I would have never banked on me topping with the deck in the first place. I was just doing it for the memes. So I was just like, I, I, I mean, I, you would have <laughs> if you if you bought out TCG player. Yeah, that was not me. <laughs> wait, wait, good question. For the record, because we talked about Gogeta is like the poster boy. Who has more leaders right now between Z and Super, Gogeta and uh, Vegito? Because I think Vegito has a set to red leader. He also has a green leader. Is that it for him? Uh, no, he has no, he's got a the blue, blue leader. The blue one, the starter deck one, yeah. Whereas so Gogeta, he has three Gogeta has the red one. He's got the blue one. Um, I mean, we're not counting Zeno, are we? Well, I mean, we probably could because there's no there. There definitely is a Super Saiyan Four Zeno go uh, Vegito, but he hasn't True. received any Zeno love yet. 
So we've yeah. got Xeno, Gogeta, and Black. We've got Super, Gogeta, and Red twice. Mm-hmm. And then we like uh, we also have them in uh, Blue once. But there's also there's also got to be. Uh, oh yeah, he's also normal. Like Dragon Ball Z, Gogeta has been in Blue once. Okay, yeah, no, never mind. No contest. Gogeta. Yeah, Gogeta, yeah, Go- yeah Gogeta's gotten the most cards for sure. Um, How bad. But yeah, I mean, I'm keeping my eyes on it. I built a deck. Um, it's fine. If anything, the card I'm most excited about is the five drop Gogeta. But like, I don't know if that's explicitly for this Vegeta, but like everyone's man, like months after that regional, people still asking me about my Gogeta list. I'm like, guys, that was like a one hit wonder. I don't I, like there's a reason we're not seeing this deck at every tournament, guys. And I still get asked about my deck list and I know people are going to hit me up about this deck list. So I'll just, so I got something ready on the side, kind of like an idea, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what the rest of the releases, see if they release anything else that's is, spicy. Isn't it great when like you top with a deck, wonder how you got there, but also sleep easy knowing no one will ever do as well with it. Uh, like i can go the rest of my life and probably be like that one gogeta ramp guy and i'm like all right exactly exactly. like i'll I'll see somebody like oh yeah i top eight it with gohan i'm like and then i see it's like some store locals i'm like oh okay my guy my guy you won with gohan which is which is why i can (laughs) sleep i almost i almost had a scare when i heard that somebody got fifth place at their nationals with it but then i realized it was webcam best of one no, i'm kidding uh shout outs to shout outs to dylan like you, you, <laughs> you definitely rocked it but I, I can sleep well knowing that nobody's going through an eight round event best of two out of three and doing well with go on hey man your, know, actually. your result was so explosive that on the dbs direct like a couple of weeks after like yo gohan's on the rise making competitive waves <laughs> That was, they were like they were like Mark coming like terms of power and they were like go number one most wanted go on i was like oh lord no <laughs> like, they don't know about icarus do they like you know, yeah. uh. that was a that, that direct like almost spit out my drink i was like band i know like there are ways to show that you were accidentally out of touch and this was one of them like uh but it is it is kind of funny. To be honest, I do have to say Gohan may take some top spaces, not because it's the best deck, but I think it's going to be heavily represented. Um, a lot of people have it in their mind that it's the best U7 deck, and those people, I feel like, don't quite understand that Gohan just has an explosive awakening turn and has access. I feel like Gohan's more of a quantity over quality type leader because you awaken and you double your hand and you can throw all that hand at your opponent mm-hmm. but people seem to kind of watch its high roll stats and don't seem to understand that if the one drop is dealt with every turn you're not really plussing you're just cycling and when you start expending cards you start not doing anything uh, a lot of people don't realize as well that gohan's core seems to be very very thick so I've, I've been arguing with people i'm like i think vegeta's the better leader because you just need a good two drop red unison vegeta and you can just play whatever cards are best in red that's all you need gohan needs a thick core to make his deck work and then uh now you have u7 goku which i think people are starting to follow into the hype now people are starting to realize that u7 goku is probably the way with these new cards but 
you can't see a U7 red card be spoiled right now without people being like, that goes in my Gohan. I'm just like, bro, if I ever see you play Ultra Mastery over two Divine Presences at the same time in Gohan, <laughs> I'm just walking away from the table. Like, there is no situation that you can convince me with that playing two Divine Presences at the same time is just not worth tapping all four of your energy for this no-barrier monstrosity. <laughs> But bro, it's the perfect deck for the Frieza Goku SCR. Come on now. Stop. Oh, you're going to give me the rage. You're going to give me the rage on, on channel. I've been fighting with people. I've been uh... fighting with people. Oh my gosh, man. Oh, but, uh... I'm, I'm mad. I'm mad. Switch the subject now. All right, all right, Frieza, all right. Frieza Goku gets me pissed. <laughs> All right, all right, so those were our wrap-ups as far as spoilers for the last set. Of course, next episode, we'll go over uh, everything else. I'm not too sure what color they're going to hit on. Probably they're going to finish the Grand Prix stuff and then move on to another color. So very excited for that uh, set so far. Looks exciting. It's got us talking, which I think is something that the previous set hasn't. So very much looking forward to that. Moving on, uh, not a long topic, but just something to note. There was the announcement that we are having our second Dragon Ball Games Battle Hour 2022, which is happening February 18th and 19th this time around. And for these guys who didn't know or haven't been around for the first battle hour, it is basically a huge Dragon Ball showcase. So you have fighters, you have the card game, you have Dokkan, you have Legends. Um, they're going to be doing some uh, of like probably movie trailers and stuff like that. So it's basically an all around weekend based around Dragon Ball, all the Dragon Ball franchises and IPs and all that kind of stuff. And as far as the card game is concerned, uh, we had a showcase last time. We had every world champion as well as Eggman as these players choice um, representing all their regions with Brian Sam taking it down last time. So this time around, uh, it looks like they just announced on their Twitter as of today that uh, last year's Battle Hour champ and the winner of the World Championship are going head-to-head. -head. So it looks like this time we are going to have a showcase of Brian Samuel versus Andrew Duvall, which is going to be very interesting. And, you know, at the end of the day, while not being the most competitive event in the world, because this is just kind of like a one-and-done invitational showcase, um, I think it's a good opportunity to provide advertisement for the game to the greater Dragon Ball community. A lot of people I know who are absolutely in love with Dragon Ball have no idea about the card game. And I think this is what this serves as like the best role for that. Yeah, see, I agree with everything you just said. And this may sound selfish when I kind of implement it. But um, Bandai, if you're listening, you just need to like have a battle hour where you put me on every single front. <laughs> I, I do content creation for just Dragon Ball Super, the card game. Get me to play. Um, I have a fight stick and the only two fighting games that I played religiously at one point were fighter Z, but before that street fighter, uh, let me play on that too. Uh, I have a legends account. I just made a video. I just pulled your brand new sparkling ultra baby boy, Gogeta. Let me play on that. I'll get embarrassed in both fighter Z and maybe legends. I'm, I'm decent at legends, but I'll probably get embarrassed depending on who you put me against. But, uh, yo, I also have a pretty pretty high tier dolphin bordering on whale doken account put me on there too i could literally be in every portion of your battle hour <laughs> flawlessly i'm here for it. but um that being said i do like the cross pollination it's a great event for everybody to just kind of see what dragon ball is doing 
nowadays. And I think uh, it's coming up in February. I really wish that it was kind of in March, maybe in April, maybe like right outside the movie or right after the movie, because then you'd be able to put in so much when it comes to uh, new stuff. Like when the movies roll out, this stuff rolls across all avenues. Like I can tell you when Dragon Ball Super Broly came out, you were just eating to be a Dragon Ball fan. Like Xenoverse was getting DLC for the Dragon Ball Super Broly movie. Uh, Legends released uh, Broly that was Super Saiyan that transforms into full power Super Saiyan. Um, They also released like uh, Super Saiyan Gogeta. The cards we were getting set six Destroyer Kings, like every single avenue of Dragon Ball 8. And so I feel like if Battle Hour is like closer to April, we'd be able to have like so much showcasing of like DLC, uh, new units, new cards. But I'll settle for February. I'll settle for the fact that, you know, I'm not in any of it, despite playing all these avenues. I'll forgive you this time, Bandai. I'm really excited to see Brian and the champ himself of this year play it out. I'm actually really excited to see that. Yeah. um, And I think the fact that it's one game will be make it easier to showcase. So, like, I casted the last one. Not gonna lie, I don't know why, because the sound effects and the music were so loud that you couldn't actually hear the casters. Um, so, you know, so a little bit of odd overlap there production-wise. But I think um, it also kind of made it tough to have, like, a focus on, like, what was going on in terms of, like... Because, like, basically what it was last time was, like, this big elimination-style tournament, and we kind of, like, got down to, like, the finals. Um, I think the fact that it's in, like, one game, we're going to be able to showcase, like, the entire game. Um, it's going to make it, you know, more exciting, uh, easier track, and probably easier to... Um, get a sense, especially now that we have a world champion. And I think, you know, the, the more we can do to put Andrew and like, you know, I'm not trying to toot his horn, but like star building is incredibly important for the growth of the game. And I think the more that you can press one, that we have a world champion, two, that you can put his face everywhere and be like, yo, this is the guy to beat, I think is really good for the growth potential of the game. So um, I like it in terms of what it serves. Uh, hopefully we'll see what this format's like, you know, what we got it last time. Um, I did find it a little bit hard considering they had like four or five YouTube channels all running streams at the same time. So figuring out where you need to go was a little bit complicated, but you know, first time around to try new things. So hopefully for the second round tightened up and we'll be able to uh, enjoy the game and see, uh, see how the reception is. And you know, last time we got card spoilers as well as movie spoilers or um, not movie spoilers, but just spoilers about the IP in general. So here we're definitely probably going to get something about the movie, especially since the logo for the movie is on their uh, advertisement video. And uh, we'll probably get a couple of card reveals. So that, that that should be exciting to look forward to. That was actually very, very, now that you mention it, it was wild because everything was happening at the same time. So like I was trying to find the Dragon Ball Super card game section. And meanwhile, I was like, nope, this is Fighter Z. <laughs> but they they were all almost with the same names, too. Like, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. they all had, like, the same names for the actual YouTube, like, stream. And so, like, it was hard finding what I needed to find. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit confusing. But, like, hopefully the schedule will be tightened up. And especially since it'll be one game and one time slot, we're not going to have to jump in and out and hopefully catch, like, one match and then come back for another match and then for another match. So... Um, should be easier to track. But that's that. That's pretty much it for Battle Hour. We don't have too many announcements. That's really all there is to it. Um, for what it's worth, if you guys care about Dokin or uh, Legends or Xenoverse or Fighters, um, they do have a, a, a campaign going on on their Twitter. So if they reach 80K or 100K or 150K followers, you guys get some stuff. So like for Dokkan, you get Aged Meat, Hercule Statues and Dragonstones. 
uh, for legends. You get slot removers and chrono crystals and all that kind of stuff. So definitely go check that out if you guys aren't following. Um, I don't play these because I suck when it comes to doing dailies. So like it's really hard for me to keep up with gotcha games. But I mean, hey, if you guys are into it, well, then you guys can get some free stuff if you guys push the promotional material there. The way you pushed that Twitter post and the campaigns, I thought you did play. I was like, what you know about <laughs> slot removals and Chrono Crystal? I, I know how to read the picture. That's all I got. <laughs> how to read? <laughs> all right. So we're going to round out with our question segment, Thinking on Charge. Of course, guys, if you guys have any questions for the podcast, Feel free to tweet either at myself or Chris, or go ahead on my Discord. There is a whole section called Thinking on Charge. Feel free to throw out your section on there. Links will be in the show notes and the description if you guys are on YouTube. Our first question coming in from Derpy. What's your favorite type of format? Do you like slower or more mid-range formats? Do you like aggro formats or do you prefer triangle formats? What do you think, Chris? What's your preferred way? Um, I'm a mid-range whore. I love mid-range, but but it needs to be within limits. Um, I like mid-range when mid-range is in its own box. When mid-range has high chances of dying if it doesn't stabilize correctly in the early game, but mid-range also has a clock where it needs to finish out game before control locks them out of any chance of winning. That's the mid-range I like. Um, that is currently not where we're at because while mid range is the strongest archetype right now, yellow has no issues stabilizing because of cards like repost and power of a super sand. And then frankly, between cards like foo, they don't really have a problem closing out games versus control either. They just build up the board and then windmill foo and then proceed to push in, um, or just play a battle of attrition and a mid range deck should not be able to go tit for tat with a control deck in late game. That's just not how that should be going. Every deck has its spaces. Um, now, you mentioned triangle formats. I don't think triangle and mid-range can be like, I don't think those are mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. I think you could have a triangle format where there's an aggro, a mid-range, and a control deck. I think that's the way it should be most times. Um, I like triangle formats a lot, though. Yeah. Um, so, like, first off, just get it off. I like mid-range formats specifically because I'm a control combo player at heart over anything else, and I feed off of mid-range decks. So I love it because it's very advantageous to the way I like playing the game. Um, but generally, I, I like a change, first off. Um, I'm a very, like, variation is the spice of life type of guy. So for me, I just make sure a shuffle is important to me. Sometimes we have triangle formats. Sometimes we have wide open formats. As a competitive player, I like triangle formats because obviously it means that I know exactly what to get ready for when I'm preparing for a competitive tournament. And an open field is very frustrating for competitive players because they can lose out the jank. But at the same time, an open field, as someone who likes to play jank your decks from time to time, you know, like that's the only reason realistically I was able to win with like Gogeta, or win top with Gogeta Ramp as an example of a deck that I've done with before. Um, it, it, Open fields allow for weird things like that to happen. So while I am more partial to things that allow my combo control decks to thrive, because those are the decks I like to play the most, the most important to me is variation and like getting, and I, arguably that's probably what's my frustrations, frustrations. Things that I would fix with this current format is that it's just felt like the same format for like two to three sets. So um, I'm, if I'm being very competitive, I'm partial to triangle because at least now I, I know what to get ready for. Um, but I don't hate open formats, um, just generally because it allows me to play jank a bit more openly, which I don't mind from time to time. 
Um, and then in terms of what I like to play, since I'm a combo control player at heart, anything that allows me to do that, which means getting to my later turns to be able to establish my combo, uh, is usually what I lean for the most. Like, bias biased. Yeah, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> 100%, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our other question from Bacon Boy. Uh, do you think this game is an easy game to master? I think if you get your reps in, I think it you can. I don't think it's incredible. Like this is a game where like it's easy to pick up, um, but I don't think it's like so incredibly hard to master. I think if you understand what your deck does and then you just start paying attention to what other decks do, that's the most important thing. Just like knowing what decks do. True, true. Okay, so like, is it hard to okay i definitely feel like weighing in the deck has or the game has a weird learning curve because the effects are kind of cookie cutter um mm -hmm. and more and more decks are building themselves by themselves you look at the archetype and you're like herder all these need u7 so i guess i just need to build u7 but the intricacies with the card game come in two main places for me actually three main places for me um sequencing because sequencing mm -hmm. is life and death in a game where you have things like energy or mana. And then uh, outside of sequencing, resource management, which is any game with an energy or mana or land system. But this game also has comboing. And knowing how many cards to put into a combo, to pressure, to force cards out of your opponent's hands, to defend yourself effectively, that is where good players and veterans will separate themselves from people who do it haphazardly you could miss combo four times and then lose to a combo that you would have had in hand had you just comboed or pressured correctly there's no reason to go up to 35 sometimes when knowing that if you go up to 25 your opponent has to go into a super combo plus one instead of just going into a super combo and then just you know blanking you because you only went up to 20 things like that so i think it's it's simple in a lot of places it's not simple in comboing and sequencing so i'm going to extend this question a little bit just by adding uh maybe a little tangent i think new archetypes are making players worse at comboing and new players what? are making players worse at comboing and don't teach <clears throat> new players how to combo so like you have archetypes like gojita Zeno, like uh dark broly like you know any archetype right now that's pumping out uh free or very cheap 15 plus K bodies, um, you know, 25 Ks, 20 K, 25 K, 30 Ks. And you're putting players into a lot of situations where comboing actually isn't necessary. Um, and typically the only combo that really matters is to not die into shotgun. Um, whereas I think, and like this is one of my strategies for newer players. I think as a newer player, if you're looking to get better at the combo step, you should play some goat format. For those of you guys who don't know, goat format is everything before set three. Um, it is a format that lives and dies by hand advantage. Um, and the entire like the entire game is based around making sure you don't lose by 5k. So it's those formats will really force you to learn, like like Chris was saying, how you should combo. Make sure that if you combo, you combo at an increment. That means your opponent needs to combo more than just a super combo to get out of it so that they actually start losing hand size, you know? Um, I think newer archetypes are making players worse at this part of the game. And you need to look at the older parts of the game and older formats to actually probably get better at them. Like in, in, a, in a solo kind of way. Obviously, if like you're training around pros every single day and like you're in a play group that has the Andrew Duvall's of the world, then like, okay, fine. You're probably gonna end up learning how you're supposed to combo. But 
as a tool to learn how to play, I think the older formats serve way better than the newer formats. Crit Jita and the other one should sleeve up Blue Green Soul Striker, and we should have matches on camera with my template to show people how to correctly play these things and how you can sometimes lose because you awaken to turn too late or how sometimes life is just cruel and you get crit chompa like three times in the same game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I totally agree. I think the three components that you highlighted are definitely the master highlights or the master foundations of which, you know, those are the things you're going to look towards getting better for if you want to quote unquote master this game. Um, and then, you know, underlying all of that is matchup knowledge because matchup knowledge will indicate to you how you're supposed to go about sequencing and comboing um, and all that. So, cool, cool. Are there any more questions? The, we have one last one. Uh, it should be a quick one. Would you rather have feet for hands or hands for feet? Thank you, Getem, for who, that phenomenal question. Who asked this? <laughs> no, 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 no. Who asked this? Getem64, a pillar of the Discord community. Somebody we know. <laughs> Um, well, I think I think this is an incredibly easy question. Hands or feet? Have you seen primates, bro? They're chilling, big chilling. I would. You hands can't do feet? Yeah, 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 hundred percent. If my feet were hands instead, there's no way I want feet in my hands. Feet can't do dick. Like, nah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure hands for feet. Like, there's hentai for that. Um, uh, we're not going to let him. We're not going <laughs> to let him sit under the guise of um of get him. For questions like that, when you ask questions like that, I am calling you SETI. That is right, SETI. <laughs> you cannot get away with asking dumb questions like this. Establish supremacy and dominance with my feet hands. <laughs> but, uh, all, right, all right. But with that said, guys, that was everything we had to go over in today's episode of the Super Cup super combo podcast um chris is there anything you'd like our viewers to be aware of coming down the pipeline for your channel this week um really it's the same as last week uh i just kind of pour myself into the channel uh, i think tomorrow we'll do a grand priest and angel video because they should be giving us the last of the spoilers um we still have what four days left in the week but uh i think what we're going for this week will be yeah the grand prix video at some point when i'm feeling like they're not going to put out more spoilers i'll put up my vegeta deck list and show you some of the plays much like i did with universe seven uh, i'm gonna see if i can get another fight night up you guys really like that but it's also intense editing mm -hmm. and uh while i pretty much don't have a life right now there are some times where I don't feel like sitting in front of my screen for six hours doing a bunch of videos. Uh, you know what? I don't even know why I said that. I'm going to get you guys a fight night this week. Yeah, look forward to it. Uh, Grand Prix video tomorrow. Vegeta sometime this week. Fight night sometime this week. And uh, if you guys have anything you want me to do, just comment on my community page or tweet me or jump in the Discord or message me in Facebook private messages. Actually, don't do that. I hate that. I love you guys, but I hate that. So uh, just reach out to me anywhere that's not on Facebook because it's it's flooded. It's crowded. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Smooch uh, Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, on my front, we are looking at, well, I talked about the 101s last week and, uh, you know, Christmas <laughs> happened. But, uh, again, those are definitely coming out. And just to specify, they are for set 15. I know it's kind of dumb to do them when we're about to get, you know, 16 spoilers. But I, I just want to make sure those get out of the way. Um, when they do come out, they're all going to come out in one burst. Uh, so like in two days, they should all be out because I'm not trying to lock up my upload schedule for like two weeks just to do like once a day. 
Um, it'll hurt their individual like views, but like I don't really care. At the end of the day, I see the one on ones more as a player resource more than something to drive viewership, anyways. Um, and the streams should be kicking back up. Um, Tomorrow I might be locked up, and by the time the people hear this should be today. Um, but Thursday, hopefully, get some gameplay up, and then we should be able to do gameplay throughout the entirety. Of the, uh, gameplay should come back consistently Tuesdays and Thursdays starting the next week going into the new year. So those are the exciting things on that end. But that is that, guys. Of course, if you guys want to check out Chris, it's UniXDBS, and now UniXDB for any other Dragon Ball stuff on his oh. end. On <laughs> Look at you plugging my second channel. Look at you. All right. All right. Uh, I do have to just kind of let people know. Uh, I realize that might have come off as crass. It's not that I don't like people messaging on Facebook. It's just that since that has like my personal conversations too, it's a lot easier for you to get overlooked when you message me on Facebook. So that's just a warning. It's not like I won't get back to you. It's you just might not get talked back to you in like a little bit. Um, which actually isn't any different than Discord because I'm really bad at that. Look, you know what? I'm just bad at responding. Come at me however you're going to come at me. I'll respond <laughs> when I respond. Uh, thank you for the plug. And next time we actually meet in person, we need to like have like an in-person podcast because our time at Nationals was very limited because you were casting and living the dream. But yeah. I don't know, living the dream. I mean, yeah, no sleep, I guess. But hey, can't hey, can't complain. Uh, when I was sitting there, literally, I was in every other feature match. I mean, I you know, if I don't specify to players what that means, I could just mean I was at table one all day long. But you know, that's okay. We'll let that slip. <laughs> um, but yeah, with that said, guys, that was our episode of the Super Combo Podcast. Enjoy your week, and until we catch you next time, guys. Best of luck with your top decks. <laughs> you guys have a great night. Dang, dang, see ya.